Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Air podcast. We really are at the business end of the season now. And this was the weekend that Gareth called, what do you call it? Moving Day? Moving Day, yeah. Moving Day was the, was the phrase that we used where we were expecting results to show us um, or paint us a, a more accurate picture of, of, of where teams might be. So joining myself, Stephen Goldsworth, is Gareth Barker, as always. Yes. Good evening. Good evening. I've already spoken, so... Well, yeah. Ruined it, really. Well, kind of, kind of. James Hunter's along, though, to salvage things, to join Good us. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Pleasure, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, where was that in terms of, we, we talked about this before the game, and uh, where was that, James, in terms of being involved in a, in a, in a weekend where so many teams were involved in, in, well, in so many different options and so many different things could have happened after that weekend, couldn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, even even approaching that weekend and the games running up to um, to to the weekend, there've been so many moving parts that it's been really difficult to try and uh, you know get your head around. There's too many permutations, really. You know who was you know who was leading the way and who was favourites and who wasn't. There was just too much going on. And I think as um, as Gareth suggested, you know, the weekend Saturday was the first time when you started to see things fit into into place. Um, and obviously Sunderland took a decisive step in the right direction um, against Cambridge, winning uh, 5-1, so moving up to fourth place. Um, and given that they've still got the game in hand, playing tomorrow night against Rotherham, then um, you know I think Sunderland are, are firmly favourites to get one of those three available uh, playoff places now. Well, you would hope so. Uh, Looking at, you know, before we look at the uh, Sunderland performance, a couple of results, that, you know, the, the standout ones and Wickham aren't going away, are there? I think you know, a lot of people were saying, ourselves included, before that game, oh, you'd want a Sheffield Wednesday, who were the division's informed team, to win that game, and then a Sunderland win would almost push Wickham out of the equation. But um, they'll fancy themselves now, and they're not going anywhere. Although Oxford were removed from the equation. Yeah, yeah. So Oxford have dropped out now, and uh, as, as you say, Wickham, Wickham are hanging in there. Um, I always, the one that I feared for uh, ahead of Sunderland's game down there actually was Plymouth because um, you looked at the two games that they had uh, remain in Plymouth and um, they could have quite they can quite easily come out of those two games um, with you know no points or just a single point as it is they got a single point didn't they on on Saturday against um, Wigan um, but they've got a very difficult game against MK Dons on on the last day 
they're they're the ones that um, you know that's going to be tough for them. I, th- I think um, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get one of the the, the places, but they they've got the t- toughest last day fixture. I think. Mm, okay. Well, on to the uh, performance itself. I was mocked on the uh, reaction on the reaction show, which is nothing new. Uh, on this occasion, it was because I said that Oxford were no more than Oxford. Cambridge, get me university towns mixed oh, up. Um, <laughs> not very good, given your line of work, is it, Steve? <laughs> no, it's not, no, no, I shouldn't know better. Um, yeah, I said that um, Cambridge were, were, were no mugs, and I got mocked for that. But, like, you know, they, they'd won the last three away games, hadn't they? Cambridge, a good run of form. We've made them look like mugs, and let's be frank, oh, a red win. card 10 minutes into the game is going to help anybody, isn't it? They went to Wigan in one couple of weeks ago. Um, so, I mean, they're capable of, of getting the result. I think we talked about it at the time. It's not, not so much about the the opposition. It's more about the situation, isn't it? That creates the, the pressure. And it's, a, it's like people say Derby games are a leveller. I think that this stage of the season, given um, what's at stake for a lot of teams... Um, that's a leveller. So, but we came through it. I mean, with, I mean, with flying colours, I think it's an understatement. Uh, before the red card, we looked excellent, and then after, it was good to see we sniffed blood and took them apart. And my biggest frustration out of the weekend is that. We didn't score more goals because if we'd won that eight nine ten one, I don't think there would have been any complaints. Um, we should have, and that's a frustration when you look at the league table now and you get a bit greedy because you're like, oh yeah, we were all tied on eighty points, but that, those goals have obviously boosted us. If we had a couple more, um, you know, looking at that, you know, Wickham and and um, Plymouth, um, we'd have been, you know four goals ahead of Wickham and two ahead of Plymouth. So that would have not been we're nice. We're not in a bad place, are we? No, we're not. But if, if, we're if we had goals, no, bombs, no I'm, not, I'm not complaining, but I'm saying if you're going to, that, that's the only frustration I'd have is no, that I, I get what the positive is the volume, the, just the sheer volume of chances that we created in that game. Um, we just should have had more goals um, and they were deserved more goals because they were so good. And it was just, a complete performance, um, really. I mean, they were just great, weren't they? It's mm. a pleasure to watch. It was a pleasure to watch the way they moved the ball and some of the moves they put together. So well organised defensively, and all conceded. But you know, just our shape so good. Like we, the availability of players to receive balls. Um, it's just, it's just so slick. Um, it's 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 quite exciting, really, to think that in the thirteen games that Alex Neal's had at Sunderland, this is what he's achieved with a squad he had absolutely zero input in putting together, um, and with all the deficiencies that it had, I think for him, uh, you know, get through what thirteen games conceding nine goals, two points per game, um, is a really exceptional effort. And it had to ha- it had to happen as well because without without it, if we weren't going to two points per game. We'd be out of the playoffs. We wouldn't be getting in. We'd be in Oxford's position. So they've had they've had to do it, and and they've done it. Was K- um, Cambridge's goal, James, almost just a, a nice little 
timely reminder that you're not going to get it your own way. I think you know we've saw we've seen some teams take up part teams and dismantle teams under Lee Johnson this season. But Gareth mentioned now how good we look defensively. I think it's the difference where you, you know, and although there was a little wobble, wasn't there, against Cheltenham, I, I don't think anybody really felt under danger when Cambridge pulled that goal back. But it was just a little bit of a reminder. You know, you don't get things your own way the whole time, there. Yeah, it was. It was like you say. It was. A, it was a reminder just that you had to stay focused and concentrate because you know how many times do you hear the cliche about you've been at your most vulnerable when you've just scored, and that's exactly what Sunderland found, wasn't it? They, they were suddenly two 0 up. Um, the game was uh, not quite won, but uh, you know they were well on the way to winning against ten men two 0 up, and suddenly you find yourself picking the ball out of the back of your own net, and the other team have got their, their tails up again. So yeah, it was it was a reminder of that. I think Alex Neil was was obviously disappointed because there was an opportunity to keep another clean sheet, which is something that he uh, prizes very highly, and um, and that was lost. But um, but yeah, I mean, just as you know, Gareth said, you know, some of the play on on Saturday was was a joy to watch. It was great. I mean, yes, of course, when you're playing against ten men for more than seventy five minutes, that's going to be a massive help to you, particularly when. Uh, um, in the process, you've been awarded a penalty, so you, you're off and running straight away. Um, as both Alex Neil and Mark Bonner said afterwards, I thought the, the red card was was a, a bit harsh. Penalty, yes. Red card, you know, I don't think so. Um, but to be honest, these things are a bit of a, a lottery now, and I'm, I'm not convinced that um, it would have been any better if you've got VAR or whatever. I think all these decisions now, they're made on a bit of a time cost, to be honest with you. Well, VAR wouldn't well, overrule something like that anywhere because you've, you've got to prove the referee was entirely wrong and it, it, something like that is perhaps open to interpretation. Yeah. I, I, I think it was. I think a red card was harsh. Oh, I, think, I, I, don't, yeah. I disagree. I think it should have been a red card. Okay. I mean, it was right in front of me. There you go, um, open to interpretation. Well, I mean, the interpretation... So. Thing is, though, the kind of the argument from not getting sent <clears> off, um, they gave kind of is an, an, an admission of guilt anyway, because he was like, "Oh well, Ross Stewart didn't have control of the balls, like so. How would it be sent off? Well, why did you why did you foul him then? If you if if it wasn't a threat, like if you're saying it wasn't a, if he wasn't threatening the goal, Do you think why, he could have stopped did you, himself from making? No, the it foul? was a, it was a rugby tackle. He just, he just I think the momentum had taken him too far. He just jumped on his back. Like, you can't, you can't, you just hold him down. You, you can't, I mean, you can't do that. So, I think if he made a genuine attempt to play the ball, he would have stayed on, but he didn't, did he? I think he, he, missed, he, he him. misjudged the flight and, and well, he, was, he was stuck and he couldn't get out of the way, but it's still a penalty because it's a good it stopped, angle. The, it stopped the opposition player from scoring. So, it's still. It's still a penalty whether it was an accident or not. Yeah. I just don't there's think a, it was cynical enough for me. There's a good there's a good well, I think it was. There's a good angle on the um pitch side thing that the club do. Um, you know, where it shows you all the goals mm. from like right like pitch side. Um and yeah, there's a good angle of the foul there. And I would say the the idea that he just lost where he was and fell fell into Ross Stewart is not true. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He panicked. And jumped on his back, basically, and had to bring him down. It was almost like someone's fallen over and they stick their leg out if the lad was going through on goal. But and see and see why some people it's because it's not it wasn't a conventional foul, was it? Like if he'd like slid in and taken him out, you could have. It's easier, but be, it's weird, isn't it? But for aerial challenges, when penalties are given for aerial challenges, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you don't often see it there, like it, like. Yeah. It, it's not 
it's not something that you often get. It's more. It, it looked to me, to, to, to be honest, you know, I've not seen it loads and loads of times. I don't tend to watch loads of replays from loads of angles. I've only seen seen it live, and then you know, again once on the highlights program. Um, but to me, it looks like the lad goes to make the header, and while while he's got his eyes on the ball and he's going for the header, suddenly Ross Stewart nips in between him and the ball. Ross Stewart barely gets off the ground, which means that the lad just bundles him over. Um, so I, I don't think the, the guy intended to foul him, in my in my view. I think he, he's going to head the ball, but Stewart gets his body in there first and, and you know, ends up getting bundled over. That's it. I think it's a harsh one. I think, you know, some referees would give that as a red, some some wouldn't, um, you know. Uh, and as a, and my point about VAR is is just that, you know, I see so many decisions uh, in the Premier League now and and I can't understand why VAR doesn't intervene sometimes and I can't understand mm. why why it does in others. You know, I was watching the game the other day and the, the same, you know, the, the Man United-Arsenal game and there looked to be a clear uh, studs-up challenge from Bruno Fernandes that, that doesn't get punished, um, you know, by VAR. And I just think, well, what's the point? It's just the time cost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly is. And um, at least we don't have the... <laughs> I think the biggest thing about VAR, just to go for a tangent, is you don't feel like you can celebrate a goal anymore, I guess, because it's always at the back of your mind. <laughs> this might get cut yeah. short here. You know, the, almost that, like, spontaneous joy from celebrating a goal has gone, but uh, we'll not go down that rabbit hole. Um just Tough a, for a I mean, story about, is it? No, no, no unfortunately not. Um, brushing over some some standout performances. Um, uh, nice for Linda Gooch, wasn't it? I think he's been getting a lot of stick recently. Um, and I think what, what, when when he, you know, and the, and the lads touched on this in the reaction pod when he he was probably helped out by his opponent a little bit, but as soon as he got some early joy, then he was he was full steam ahead, James, wasn't he? Because he, I think we all we all agree that Lynn's problem at times can be that he overthinks and he gets a bit angry, and he's not a good player when he's frustrated. Yeah, I, I thought he was excellent on on Saturday. I think um, you know he always puts in a, a good shift, Lyndon. He doesn't always um, get the credit he. He deserves. I mean, I know people have been critical at times this season, and, and rightly so at, at times. But there have also been been times when I think he's he's had some unfair criticism. Um, a lot of the time, he's moving from one position to another. He, he, you know, for a player that's a really a forward-thinking player, he's been used a lot at fullback, at wing back. Um, you, you know, he, he tends to to be. He's a bit of a. Um, a bit of a Luke O'Neill, a bit of a Darren Williams. Uh, you know, he gets put in to, to fill gaps, plug gaps here and, here and there. So um, I think it does make it difficult for him to to bring bring his best game every single week. Um, but against Cambridge, of course, once they were down to 10 men and they're stretched, he didn't have much defending to do. He was able to spend most of his time on on the attack down from that right wing back role. Um, and, you know, that, that sort of brought out the best in him. And he, he produced two assists and... Uh, as, as Gareth pointed out earlier, you know, had, had the finishing been better, he probably wound up with, you know, four or five assists. This conversation might be a better place than another podcast, maybe an end-of-season debrief or something, but would you give him a new contract? Me? Yeah, I would. Um, whether he'd stay, I don't know. I mean, that's that's another another thing, but uh, um, I, I'd be inclined to give him a good contract. Again, it's, it's like... Um, it's like all these things, 
and Lee Johnson used to talk about it a lot. You have a player like Luke O'Neill and you have a player like Lyndon Gooch and because they can cover multiple positions for you, um, that's why managers like them so much um, because you can have one Lyndon Gooch or one Luke O'Neill in, in your squad um, and it means you don't have to have cover in a couple of other positions. Yeah, I agree. Gareth? Before we move on, well, we've talked about it before. And we have, but then opinion. he went on a, he went on. A, maybe you, Phil Smith, spoke about it, but um, he was playing well at the time, yeah, <laughs> and then he's had a massive drop off in the form, hasn't he? I wouldn't say, you know, a massive drop off, but he's not been as good as he. It's been his toughest, be. toughest spell for us, I reckon. Maybe, in the last, yeah, yeah, but but you know that's that's just football. Isn't it? Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. I mean, you're not expect you, you know he's better. You're better off having him. Would say certainly if we're suddenly one. If you're in the top six, um, would you want an Ngucci new squad? I think the vast majority of teams in the top six would say yes. Um, sometimes you just got to take the emotion out of it and look at the practicalities. And the pr- practicalities, he's more than decent performer. Um, yeah, he's not perfect, but if you've got a squad, it's very handy to play to have available. And yeah, you know, in, in terms of his effort, work rate, everything, when you weigh it up, I think, you know, you, he's a very reliable option. It's better the you know, in it sometimes. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, for me, it's a no brainer. And as frustrating as it is, you know, largely down to what James said, how many positions he covered, he's, you know, clubs in his heart and he's got that bit of quality when you need it and I just think how many players are you going to need to buy and who can sufficiently replace him anyway we did run a poll on that because um, I think would we agree the three standout players in the match were Gooch, Embleton and Stewart um, we give people the opportunity to say um, somebody else who and a lot to percent of people went for that option they didn't tell us who the, <laughs> who, who they were going for so that's not helpful but Gooch right away with it 77% um, Elliot Embleton was on 15% and Stuart on 6% good performance again by Embleton wasn't it it was great he's, 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 it, it's good that Neil seems to have found a role from now I think the frustra- I think the frustrating thing about Embleton sometimes is he doesn't don't feel like he demands a ball enough Um. And at the weekend, he certainly did that. He dictated the dictated the game. Um, he was everywhere, wasn't he? Um, great goal as well. And I mean, I don't know how, goal, how many goals he's got this season, five or six now probably. He's got a few recently. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's always one of those players where you're like, well, if Pritchard's fit, how do you, how do you play both of them? And that's a frustrating thing. Um, but he's, he's gone deeper, though. He's yeah, like, he has. He has been. Yeah. No, it was weird. Only well, nine kind of played in that more advanced role and did it quite well. Um, I've seen Embleton play. We've had these discussions before again on the podcast. When even before Neil came, there was the odd game when Embleton played quite deep, and I thought he played well. And in those games as well. I he was used a couple of times, wasn't he, as, as one of the sitting midfielders in Lee Johnson's 4 2 3 1, because mm. you know, that was quite a surprise. You didn't really expect to see him pop up there. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I have been surprised at how well he's done when he has played. 
played deep. But I still think you get the best out of him in that number 10 position, you know, of course. But um, you know, when it's a straight shootout between him and Alex Pritchard and they're both, uh, they're both fit, then, you know, most, most people are going to go for Pritchard, aren't they? Yeah, he's got eight goals this season. Wimbledon? Yeah. In all competitions, I just in the league. In non-league one. He's got really? nothing. He's got oh. none of this. Um, um, according to whatever I'm reading now, <laughs> transfermarket.com. Um, oh, league. Oh, good eight effort. goals, six assists. And he hasn't been a regular, really, has he? He's been in and out. So, yeah. fair play to him. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Um, Stuart, nice to see Stuart back in the goals as well. Uh, I'll be the first from a penalty. The, the interesting, wasn't it? Because he took a really heavy touch for his second goal, but it was an outstanding finish in the bottom corner, yeah. wasn't it? That's absolutely lethal, that. And that's that's one of them that's like, you know, cliche alert. No matter what level you're playing at, if you've got the capability of turning and hitting the ball in the bottom corner like that, from that position, then you, you, you know, you're some centre forward, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, Morgan, I mean, we've obviously talked a lot about him and how good he's been and I know some people were worried about his lack of scoring recently but I think his game contribution generally has been excellent um, and other players have stepped into the breach to, to score goals I mean we're the joint second highest scorers in the league um, alongside Wigan they've got 77 and then the top scorers in the league are Oxford with 81 Um so we're not far off that, really, are we? Um, so, and he's got twenty-four of them. But you know, it's good that I mean, Broadhead. I mean, he must be going at a goal again, like in the in like in the last sort of in his last. I think has he got eight in his last nine or something like that? He must have. Seems to score most weeks, especially at the stadium. I'm, I don't know. I mean, what do you look at? You look, I'm going to get his stats uh, up, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's got. Has he got about 14 this season? Going to tell you now. Again, for a player who spent large, like part of the season out injured, um, and is coming to games from the bench, it's a pretty good effort, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the thing that's impressed me most about Ross Stewart that you're mentioning, um, and it. Yeah, I've got to touch touch wood somewhere because you know there's still some games left and possibly playoffs yet. But um, you know he's he started every single game. He's um, he's 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 played in every single game. He hasn't been vulnerable to um, injuries and such. Have you? You know, we I think we spoke last time. I, w- I was on the, the pod with you you guys and I was saying about the transfer business that was done in in January, um, and they left themselves short of cover. For a striker with Jermaine Defoe, um, the whole Jermaine Defoe thing left themselves short of, uh, of cover for Ross Stewart. They didn't bring in a replacement. Um, and had he picked up an injury in February or March, um, then it could have been, you know, pretty catastrophic for Sunderland's season. Um, and, but thankfully that hasn't happened and he's, he's, you know, he's still there and he's still the division's highest scorer. Um, and that's absolutely fundamental and keeping him fit for these last few games, however many it is, whether it's two, four or five, you know, it's absolutely fundamental. Sorry, I did lose you both a bit there. This this transfermarket.com starts, it's one of those sites that starts playing out pop-up videos and, oh, and great, exciting. Me, me Wi-Fi didn't like that at all. <laughs> so I managed to get rid of that and um, I'm back in my game, but I didn't bear, basically haven't heard anything any of these have just said. Oh, well. um, but, it, was, um, it, was, it was a very low value. <laughs> yeah. so Broadhead um, has scored 12 goals. 
in all competitions, nine in the league. Yeah, I thought you had a few more than that. But it's in the league, it's one and two. So it's 18 yeah. games and, and I mean, nine. Yeah. And some of the bench they're considering as well. You know, yeah. so that would be that would be 20 plus goals in the season if you carried yeah. on that ratio in the league. Yeah. So, no, it's good. It's looking good. Right. We'll um, have a break there and we'll come back and we'll talk about. Um, We'll speculate too much on the rest of, on the on the on the rest of the season because there's only the two games of importance really tomorrow night, isn't it? And then um, it's probably going to be one more for Matt and Tom and whoever else discusses things um, post Rotherham. So when we come back, we'll look ahead to that Rotherham game. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Kevin Kyle, and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast. Welcome back to the Wise Men's Here podcast, right? Sunderland's penultimate game, or league game, because it might be extended. We're hoping it's going to be extended. Um, and it's a game against Rotherham, so a lot riding on it for um, both sides. Obviously, Rotherham um, picked up a little bit in the weekend. They've been in terrible form, um, but they did manage to to win at the weekend. And... Um, in terms of their goal difference, it's six better than MK Duns. So you would think if they were to win this game, then yeah. it's practically done for them, isn't it? Yeah. And then they're practically promoted. That's it. What's interesting about that is that could have so James mentioned Plymouth going to MK Duns there, but of course if, if we lose rather than we can't catch MK Duns. I mean it's no. you know probably unlikely we're gonna anyway, but we can't catch them. So if Rotherham win, MK Dons know the third position is safe. Arguably, they could rest some players for that final game against Plymouth, which could give open things up for them. It's when you get things like that get interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, you should, maybe, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you'd do that. I don't think you would. But let's say Rotherham come in and win a four 0 or something. Then you know. Let's not say that. Let's not say that. <laughs> but let's say that. Let's say they do. That means MK Duns would need a ten goals swing around. It's just yeah. not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, is it? So I think. I think if if, if Rotherham win against Sunderland tomorrow, I think that's them up automatically. Um, just. About, I mean, like yeah. you say, we are at the. Um, we are at the point where you get some. Funny results and and what have you. I mean, um, that said, you you look at uh, you look at Cambridge. Cambridge um, got safe at the beginning of um, at the beginning of April, didn't they? Um, then they played and beat Wigan, 
rested seven players in midweek <laughs> last week. Yeah. Um, and then brought those seven players back against uh, against yeah, Sunderland. Well so they were back up to so they yeah. were back up to to full strength. So so they named the same starting eleven against Sunderland as they had against Wigan. Um, so it's, so they were already safe. Yet they were still naming their strongest possible team. Um, and so you've always got that kind of uh, you know thing going on. I mean Sunderland go to Morecambe on on the last day. I mean looks like Morecambe uh, are going to be in need of points, aren't they, to to stay mm. up too. Um, so there's I mean, going to be something if, riding yeah. on that for them. Depends what Fleetwood do tomorrow. Again, that's yeah. a big game involving ourselves. Um, depends what they do tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I mean, if Fleetwood were to get beaten tomorrow night... Well, the level on points with Gillingham, who were fourth at bottom. In the, well, the level, are they? I, th- yeah. I thought they were yeah. I yeah. Think so, 40, have they? Yeah. So it will go to the last last day, won't it? Which, uh, yeah. Whatever happens, so they will have something to play for. Yeah. I mean, we, we were we were saying. I think again, maybe last time I was on the pod with, with you, we were looking at this week and saying, well, Rotherham could be already promoted by the time Sunderland play them, <laughs> and Morecambe could be down. But yeah. you know, both both things are still live issues. So, yeah. uh, so um, you know, it just goes to show that that you can't make those kind of predictions or not yeah. any accuracy. Well, a win would keep Fleetwood up more or less because their um, goal difference is already significantly better. Than Gillingham's, so the minus seventeen compared to minus thirty-two. Yeah. So that's only going to improve if they win the game. You're not getting a fifteen on goal yeah. swing, are you? So no. you know Fleetwood. This this is a big incentive for them, really. To, yeah. To, in this game because um, even if they got they're, a because point, they're at home, because they're at home and they're yeah. at Bolton on the final game, which isn't an easy game at all, as we well know. So they they're yeah. going to fancy doing the, getting this done at home. So well. I think um, it would be crazy if Chef Wed missed out, wouldn't it? After they've been, I mean, well, they even before gone... the weekend, everyone was in all the fun that Chef Wed could sneak into the automatic. Could. They, uh, they're playing so well. Mm. Now they could finish on three points in us, and they only get eighty-five, can't they? So we could get eighty-six. So it's a, it's just funny, isn't it? It's I mean, farming, isn't it? I mean, you're almost certainly going to need a record points total. To finish in the playoffs this year, I mean, the, you know, eighty-one points is the maximum that you've ever needed in the past, um, and that's been done twice before. Um, I mean, yeah, okay, you're on eighty now, and depending on how other other results go, you know, that might be enough. But you might well need eight, eighty-three, or as much as many as eighty-four points you could need from Sunderland's point yeah. of view to guarantee it. Yeah, I think a, a point tomorrow night. With the goal difference, we got advantage. Wouldn't be like the end of the world, I don't think, um, at all. Um, I think if you were one of the other teams looking at that, you'd you'd know that you have to win your game. I mean, the goal difference is quite close. It is tight, but you know, you know, you'd have to win that. You know, you'd have to win win your game. Um, And I think that's you know for Plymouth. If we were to sneak ahead of Plymouth at this stage. I think, like by a point rather than goal difference or goals scored as it is, because we've got the same goal difference at the moment. Um, I think that's not a not a terrible position to be in going at the last day. They we've got Burton, haven't they? Um, yeah. But I think that you know we haven't really talked about the fact you know the, the game itself against Rotherham and a mixed bag for them again. You know, I watched the. Ipswich game, Ipswich really disappointing in the game. I thought that, that 
they were just very frustrating. Like they'd break at the halfway line and stop and pass it sideways and go backwards. It was, but they did have a couple of good chances in the game, and then obviously Rotherham took that late chance, but didn't pull up any trees. I don't know how they played against Oxford. Obviously went behind and came back and won, scoring a penalty, but. Um, obviously they lost as well. They lost to Burton two nil. They went to Portsmouth and got beaten three nil. Um, so it, you look at it and go, well, you fancy us to you fancy us to score, don't you? In the game, um, it's a case of how many will we need, and it's going to be a different threat, I think, as well, because they're such a like a big team, aren't they? Very physical. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that affects the team selection. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe all nine dropped in to left wing back again, and Mateta came into midfield alongside Evans, and then Embleton further on, and he might just put the leash on Pritchard uh, for the moment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he might do that. Um, I think I'd be trying to get Matete and Evans into that midfield to maybe combat that physical threat. Um, I don't. I wouldn't I be. Right having, I wouldn't be having Roberts at left wing back against these. I think. I think you're right when you look at it and say, "Well, you know, a point wouldn't be a disaster for Sunderland tomorrow," um, just because. When you look at that, if, if you get a point out of that, that means Rotherham are a point ahead of MK Dons. MK Dons have still got something to fight for on the last yeah. day against uh, against Plymouth. Um, you know, whereas if you look at it from the other scenario, if, if Sunderland were to lose and Rotherham were effectively automatically promoted, Plymouth would have nothing to play for. Um, and uh, sorry, MK Dons would have nothing to play for. Might choose to rest some players ahead of the playoffs. Um, Against uh, against Plymouth and you know that, all that kind of start, thing starts to come into play, doesn't it? At that point, um, so yeah, I think you know a point wouldn't be a disaster for Sunderland tomorrow. It's a it's a it's a must not lose game rather than a must yeah. win. I think. But, but you know, Alex Neil said though, he goes out win every game, and I think we're more than capable of beating any team in in yeah. the division. So as we've shown, you know, we've beaten. Yeah, we drew nil nil at Plymouth. I, th- I feel as though we just edged that game and, and should have really won it. Um, we beat Oxford, you know, we beat um, and we and we beat Wigan. Uh, so we can, we have got what it what what it takes to to beat anyone. I think, and I think you know, I think it's just a weird situation because the pressure's been so great. Given what's at stake, and um, we just kind of almost you just kind of go and gain the game, and you haven't had that chance to go for like we've gone in the playoffs, well done, sort of thing. We know we're in the playoffs, and we can plan for that. The fact we've got 80, like we've the fact we've got 80 points and it's not secure, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Um, and I don't think we've had the opportunity really to kind of take stock of it. Like the the job that Alex Neil's done so far, really yet, and I think kind of he almost he drives that in that he's very much game to game, doesn't care about he hasn't got time for anything else other than winning. 
that's how he comes across. And you know, I'm going to make a, a bold statement. But go on, Gareth, make a bold statement. The bolder the better. I think I feel as though with Alex Neal, you could be looking at very much a five stays in the summer, regardless, because there'll be other clubs looking at him. He could, you could be looking at somebody in years to come of a sort of regarded maybe in the same way as a, like a Peter Reid in my opinion I just feel as because the, the way it's just the way he is the way like he conducts himself the way he speaks I feel as though he's, he's very much what Sunderland supporters can respect and appreciate the way he approaches things he's got the right profile for the job yeah. undoubtedly yeah and he's just got that he's just got that vibe about him no nonsense, um, you know. Just, it's just a very similar. He's got. It's a very similar feel the way he approaches. His, it's a good. The, it's a good task. mix of. It's a good mix of the. So you see, like the no nonsense stuff, like that tough, toughness, but it's 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 um, complemented by football intelligence yeah. clearly. Because when yeah. when he when he starts to speak about football and the tactics and everything like that, he's engaging yeah. with it. You're interested in what he's saying about it, and those things don't always go together, do they? It's, like not, a, it's often one or the other, isn't it? He's kind of like the the Reed Saxton hybrid, because Saxton <laughs> was the tactician and Reed was the the manager, and he's kind of got that vibe about him. Like I, I'm not saying, you know, he'll, you know, I feel as though if we if we kept him for a period of time, and if we get things right off the pitch, um, then he's he could he could get us. In a few years' time, it would get us back competing at the top end of the championship, competing to get into the Premier League. Like that, that's how, if you can keep somebody like that, I think. Um, I think. I think he very much knows his own worth as well. Yeah, Gareth. Um, you know, he's 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 made a point. He's not said anything about next season or what to do in in the summer, or virtually nothing about uh, what to do over the summer. Um, it's very much focused on getting into the playoffs getting promotion via the playoffs, which is great, that sort of short-term focus. Um, but there's always the the thought that he's um, he's keeping the club on its toes. And as I asked him last week, I asked him, well, you've got to think about the summer at some point. You, you know, you have to start making some plans because you can't just arrive on, you know, I don't know, as late as May 22nd and then suddenly say, oh, great, you best start planning for next year. Um, you know, you've got to, somebody's got to have given it some thought before then. Uh, and he said, well, he said, I know exactly uh, what needs to be done here. I know exactly what the club needs to do and I know who I want to keep and I know who I want to let go, um, etc. He said, I could write that down for you now. And I did say, well, that would be lovely and handy if you would find. <laughs> um, but, but unfortunately, he didn't. Um, but, um, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, got a pl- he's, he's got a plan um, and he'll expect that to be carried out in, in the summer. And uh, if if he gets promotion with Sunderland or if, even if uh, he doesn't get promotion with Sunderland, but such as the, you know, the... A feeling that he is the right man for the club. Um, that there'll be, you know, there'll, there'll be a, a lot of pressure for the club to to you know recast its its squad in in the manner that he he suggests. He's not going to be someone that's going to be dictated to. I don't I don't think he's going to sort of say this is how it needs to be. And if it's not like that, then you know, hey, there'll be other clubs that are, that are interested in me, and that's good because because you know. Um, just as a, for example, obviously I've seen, seen today that, um, that he's been linked with the Burnley job. 
Um, and, that, and that feels like the kind of job that Alex Neil could get if he wanted. Um, you, you felt with some of the previous managers that Sunderland have, have had that this was the biggest job they're ever going to get. Um, and that yeah. there wouldn't be another step up the ladder for them. Um, whereas with Alex Neil, you, you get the point that if, if he's a success here, then he, he could well get a, you know, a, a job further up the tree if Sunderland is still in the championship or still in League One next season. Yeah. I mean, Bernie's still in the Premier League. That's him. <laughs> that's him out of that run on anywhere. But um... so, I think you, you've got to look at it. You know, you don't want another Sam Allardyce situation on your hands where potentially we've got the building blocks to finally do what we need to do here. And, and you lose a minus piece. And you lose it. and you lose that person. Mm. And then it's it's a big blow. Um now whether Allardyce would have been able to keep Sunderland in the Premier League um that you know with, with the budget that was available um and the setup off the field we'll never know. Um, we'll never know. But I just, I, I just, I think the the need to ensure that they keep, yeah, they keep him because the job he's done so far. When you look at it, really, he's had an incredibly. I know some people's like, well, we were, were we were in the playoffs, we were high up the table, or whatever. When Lee Johnson left, than we are now, or whatever. But. You know, I'm telling you, if 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 we'd had Alex Neil lined up to come in straight after Lee Johnson, we'd be talking about automatic promotion today because we'd be three we're we're three games back. Really, he can't really count the Wimbledon game, and then obviously you got the Cheltenham and the the Doncaster games. Yeah, I mean, say so you take three points from one from from one of those games rather than well well four points sorry from the one point that we did have from the Cheltenham game and say you don't get home six nil by the way of uh, of Bolton I don't know it's ifs and buts but you're looking at, we're talking about goal difference now we got beaten five one of Rotherham so that's a, that's a four goal swing in their favour and so essentially eight goals that the gap that 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 victory created. Um, I just feel like you know, what if we had three more points on top of what we've got now? We we we'd be talking about automatic promotion today because we'd be say, well, we're in tomorrow night, going at the last day, we'll level on points with with the two ahead. So and then it's up for grabs. I just say, you know. When we dissect it at the end of the season, everyone's going to look at that four-game spell where we took one point from those four games in, in the period where Lee Johnson was sacked and we didn't replace him quickly enough. Um, and I think we're going to look at that and it's nothing to do with what Alex Neal's done since he's come in. He's done everything he possibly can. Um, yeah. It's it's to do with what what went before. Um, and it's that'll be the most... It's, it it's frustrates me now because I think, God, he... All you have to do is beat Doncaster at home. Don't lose Doncaster at home. Even if we're drawn that game, you're still going, well, we've got 81 points. You never know. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous, really, when you, when, when you look at that. I mean, you've got no divine right to beat anybody, but it just frustrates me that. Well, I think even, you know, what you don't want is to reach the end of this season 
Um, and whichever division Sunderland are in next year, you don't want um, uh, the club to lose Alex Neil and then have to be starting all over again with Absolutely. wasting time in the summer for another recruitment process. So he's, he's got a very strong hand, um, and you know he's, he's he's done well enough. Even if even if Sunderland miss out on promotion, he's done well enough since he's been here to be backed by the club yeah. um, and, <clears throat> and given a, a fair. Fair shot, shot with it next season. I yeah. not not that I mean the club might get rid of him if, if he doesn't achieve promotion. Yeah. I mean the, the club needs to to do it his way and give him a, a yeah. proper proper shot at it. Yeah. So I'm sure the fans will will stick with him um, because they've seen you know, a, a tangible improvement in the two months that he's been here already. It's such an improvement, isn't it? It's such an imp- like it's. You know, some people might be annoyed it's not been as spectacular at times, but it's in terms of how organised we are in order to win games. It's just, a, you know, I was thinking about the way, you know, yeah, we've beaten teams 5-0. Um, and we did play some nice football in those games. Um But at the same time, it felt on, on Saturday, watching the way we approached that game and it was just so clinical, um, so well drilled, and yeah. So, and that's that. It's just really hard, and I think to see, you know, on paper, this is the best manager we've had since we've been in League One. I don't think anybody could dispute that. But on paper, is one thing he got to deliver, and he absolutely. I mean, yeah, twenty six points from thirteen games, nine goals conceded. A team that couldn't defend, like could not defend, like we couldn't. We we're, were an absolute mess. And as soon as teams got into us, we just disintegrated. Didn't we really like? It's like look, that Bolton game is a prime example. You can see exactly what's going to happen when teams get into us, and we can't cope. Um, and you know he's he's fixed that with the same group of players. That's great. We can't hear Stephen. No, Stephen's got. Have you unplugged yourself, <laughs> Stephen? Because <laughs> he's been trying to talk, we've not been able to hear. Nice, no, Stephen's. Uh, Stephen's gone. I'll, I'll I'll pretend to be Stephen for a bit. I mean, we, we had a little chat, didn't we, about selection um, before? I don't know. I don't know if, if you've got any sort of feeling that the team he'll go with, James. Um, he's very difficult to read team wise, isn't he? I mean, he tends to. He seems to like playing. Um, with a back three against a team with a back three, yeah. so it would it wouldn't surprise me if uh, uh, if he plays back three to, tomorrow night. Um, big question is who he plays left wing back. I guess um, could play Luke O'Neill there, could play Jack Clark there, could play Patrick Roberts there. He's, he's got various different options. I guess it depends how how tight he wants to be and how attacking he wants to be. Um, so he's. So it really comes down to personal choice. For me, I'd probably play Luke O'Neill in there just uh, because I think against Rotherham, uh, you're going to need to, you are going to spend quite a bit of your time, well, not quite a bit of your time, you're going to spend some of your time defending, aren't you? Much more so than yeah. you were against Cambridge um, on, on Saturday. I think Ogben is a, a threat down that right side as well, isn't he, for them? So he is. If you, I, I wouldn't be having someone like, I think Clark or Roberts in that area would. Worry me a little bit. Um, yeah, 
I'd think I'd rather have somebody a bit more solid, and and then I would go with nine. And as I said, I would I would bring Matetti into the middle. Um, yeah, and I would uh, leave out. Um, I would get I would keep Pritchard on the bench because I think Embleton's probably earned his opportunity. So yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling. Yeah, I'll go with that. And again, obviously, you've still got another game against Morecambe um, when you could bring Pritchard into the starting lineup if you wanted to. And of course, he's also fresh. Should you be? Uh, should you be in the playoffs? I think Stephen's uh, gone for good. Are you gone for good, Stephen? Nah, he's gone. He's, <laughs> he's gone. He's now. still there, but he's just um, he's just having a. It's just the pressure has got to him. It has. He's but frozen. The, he's frozen the in the final week. week. Has. He's frozen in the final week. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it there then, seeing as though Stephen's gone. So I'm sure that Matt and Tom will be back on uh, Thursday. Um, I think Tom's back a full day. So they'll be talking about, hopefully, the inevitability of Sunderland being in the playoffs. Um, and it won't really matter too much what happens against Morecambe. That's what we've got to hope. Hopefully, they're talking about the fact we've beaten Rotherham 5-0 and there's still a scant possibility of automatic promotion. That's That that would be an amazing situation that there's probably a 2% chance of happening. So let's hope they're talking about that. Um, but as always, thanks very much for listening. Thanks, guys. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.